Hey, Alana, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. It's so good to have you back on CFO Circle. And uh, I do have some quick questions for you to answer. Uh, and we're going to talk about why do AR teams or CFO office teams need to keep themselves upskilling and reskilling. So on that note, uh, I'm going to start with the very first question, Ilana. Uh, how has the current workforce in CFO's office been subject to change during pandemic? Well, we are now being asked to do more with less. Um, we are also being required to find new ways to work, especially as we move to hybrid environments where some are in the office and some are in working from home. And we are also learning uh, that we have to do uh, provide a, a lot more service to our business partners. I think the aspect of uh, financial finance and accounting that uh, has been missing to date and now becomes more obvious and we have to do some upskilling to make sure that we can provide the best value to our organizations. So it's not just enough to close the books and pro provide financial statements and do variance analysis. We as professional, as finance professionals need to not just look through the, the rear view, we need to start looking forward and providing our business teams with decision metrics, um, numbers, analysis that will help the organizations make the right decisions uh, with data analytics, with financial numbers. Um, so we're not just making decisions by the seat of our pants or because it feels good or we think or research has told us that we actually have the numbers to support the investments that we're making. Uh, for some organizations, the pandemic means that we've had to rely on cash reserves or we've had to raise prices or we've had supply chain issues. And so we need to be more attuned to the cost of doing business. Uh, and so it's been uh, it's raised the relevance of finance and accounting up. Um, and so we, we need to provide our business partners with the right information to to move the business forward when resources are tight. Uh, when finances are constrained and, and those kinds of things. Talking about analysts and analytics, um, does the belief of analysts uh, around the lines of addition of new technology like AI, etc. I mean, do they think or do they believe that AI can actually complicate their day-to-day -day processes? Does that have any truth to it? I think it really depends on the culture within the organization. I think as uh, finance professionals, where we're used to the calculators and the Excel spreadsheets and the formulas, I think the concept of AI is very scary. We, we think about it as the robots. We think it, about it as it's going to replace a human being. And that's not the case. I think we need to educate ourselves on, on what does AI really mean for the finance and accounting function. And what it means is to operationalize or automate processes that are time consuming and tedious for the average finance organization, repetitive, um, standardized transactional work that can be automated so that the humans can actually spend more of their time on value added functions, on the analytics, on decision making. Um, and so in the pandemic, what we realized was we needed to one, automate a lot more. We needed to move from desktop to cloud. We needed better systems. We needed more advanced financial solutions um, that would allow us to focus on value-added work. And once we understand that AI is here to support us, to make our lives easier, and we educate ourselves on that, I think we will see more prevalence of AI, RPA, new uh, automated AR, AP systems, um, upgraded financial reporting systems, 
automated budgeting, those kinds of things. Um, that really allows the human brain to add value by focusing on the right things at the right time for the right reasons. I totally agree with that. And to add to that, I think one of the things that um, even the workforce need to understand is that the right kind of intersection between both human and technology can help provide better quality of uh, life work balance. Is that something that you'll agree with? I do agree. Um, during the pandemic, we implemented a new financial system. We have automated accounts payable. Um, we have automated um, customer uh, resource management. Um, we have tried to automate as much as possible. We've tried to automate all of our reporting. Why? Because we now have more demand on the back end, on the an analytics, on um, being at the table to make decisions. And so we have less time to spend um, doing the traditional debits and credits and balancing and reconciliations. The more we can automate those functions, the more time we have to, to adding value into working with our departments um, to make the right decisions. You mentioned account payables. Have you considered uh, automating account receivables as well? So we do have a modified accounts receivable, automated accounts receivable system, keeping in mind that as an association, we collect dues from our members. And so we do, and our membership is based on what kind of, how big you are as a, as a, as a member. Um, and so we have our members report their, their, um, their sales and based on their sales reported is how we generate um, the invoices for their membership dues. And so that part is automated. Um, we still have some parts of it that are, are manual, but we are working to automate as much as possible Again, um, we, the, the more repetitive systems, the more the day-to-day -day repetitive work, uh, we're finding great value in having that automated and then retraining our staff to work on, on the, 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 the wants, the wish list items of things that we want our finance and accounting team to work on. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, there was this research, Alana, that we did, uh, High Radius did with CFO type organization. Uh, where we wanted to assess what are CFOs doing today? Uh, what are their priorities? So like you said, right, invoicing is one AR function that a lot of, I think 40% of respondents said that they've already uh, automated, right? And the next thing that they want to prioritize is collections. But there are a lot of other processes that people are not thinking about yet. For example, credit management, or maybe managing disputes better, applying cash, Right? So these things or these processes are still at a backseat. Is that something that you've heard from your peers as well or you've experienced uh, firsthand? Yes, and I think it's because we are um, creatures of habit and we are also uh, creatures of control. Um, and I think uh, for those organizations who are struggling with automating AR or automating repetitive processes, part of the reason is I can't trust the systems or I can't trust automation. I really need human eyeballs on things. I, I think there's also a hesitancy to remove work from someone's uh, desk. Uh, if I automate this, then what is this person going to do? <clears throat> and it's an either or looked at as an either or. It isn't looked at as let's automate so that we can retrain this individual to do value added work, to do the work that really adds value to the organization. And so it, it is perceived as a loss of control. It is perceived as I may be adding error into a process because I have this unknown entity. If you automate it appropriately, if you do the due diligence of making sure that you're automating the right process and not just automating the way we do stuff, right? But automating in a way that is the right way to do it, um, eliminating a lot of those 
um, non-valuated touch points like inspection, uh, um, verification, validation, those things are, are adding time to a process. They're not, if they're done right, they don't add value, right? If you're doing the right things from the get-go, inspection, evaluation, reconciliation, those kinds of things don't add any value. Um, they're just fixing a, a human error. So if we avoid automating bad processes, if we implement AI in the right way to do the right things, and we look at upskilling or repurposing the resources that we have, we are adding value back to the organization, not twofold, but multifold because that person is not only going to be retrained to do something that adds value to the organization, they are more likely going to have much better uh, career satisfaction. They're going to be much happier with you as an employer. They're going to add more value over the long term for the money that they're being paid. And, and you're going to see your business skyrocket. Um, so these repetitive processes that can be automated, you're illuminating anything that didn't work in the bat in the old days, now it's operating uh, the way it's supposed to. And your human resources are now going to be happier, more productive, better trained. And I think one of the other fears is if I do that with my human resources and retrain them and upskill them, I'm going to lose them. They're going to go somewhere else. And I think that's a false equivalency. I think that is the wrong way to look at it. And I think it was Richard Branson who said, if you know, if we, uh, he was asked, well, if we train them, they'll leave. And and he, I think he was the one that said, well, if we don't retrain them and they stay, we're going to have problems. And I think that we should look at it as adding value to our employees. They feel like they're they have importance in the organization, that they're valued, and you're more likely going to have them retained for the long haul. So there's a value of investing in automation. And then there's a value of reinvesting in our human resources. That's a great advice. I think, uh, especially with great resignation happening, uh, you know, and I think it's going to stay for a while un unless, you know, things go for a toss and inflation comes into picture, you know, all the things that are happening. Well, we, on the side. we have to evolve. And if we want right. to keep our staff and avoid getting into the great migration and try to find capable resources, which by the way, the expectation on income or salaries going up 20 to 30%, at least that's what I'm seeing in my marketplace and in my industry, I would rather retain my staff, give them the bump that they deserve, but invest in them and give them a motivation to put down roots and stay in my organization, then have to go to the marketplace and replace them at a serious um, inflation rate. Absolutely. And you know, there is this research by McKinsey and company wherein 87% of executives said that they are experiencing a skill gap in their B2B force, right? Their B2B workforce. And I think um, till the time people have these concerns, uh, this is bound to happen unless you upskill or promote new technology that's going to help your uh, employees be upskilled. This particular gap is still going to be there. So why do you think reskilling and upskilling of existing employees is the need of the hour, you know, how does it differ from maybe hiring new talent from outside market that are already reskilled and upskilled? I think the cost of upskilling and reskilling existing resources is going to be more economical over the long term than potentially losing them because they are dissatisfied and they go off to someone who will value them um, because replacing that resource is going to come with a 20 to 30 percent inflation factor. I, I know we talk about inflation being five to seven percent. But the reality is with the in, with internet and with networking, people are asking for more money 
for the work that is currently be do being done in an organization. So if you look at that differential between what the market wants and what you're currently paying, there's an opportunity for investment there. And I think in the long run, that's more economical. And the thing is, it, it is, doesn't really take a lot of money. It means uh, potentially sending your staff to be recertified in a new skill set. It means sending them to your, your technology vendors, annual con conference or convention. Um, it means uh, paying for dues at things like CFO Leadership Conference or uh, Le CFO Leadership Council or the the local networking organization. Uh, it could mean something like um, giving them a chance to go back to school and getting their MBA or uh, recertifying as a CPA. There, there are low cost op options to reskill and upskill uh, existing staff that will in the long run be more economical. Build loyalty to your organization, build loyalty to the team um, and and if they decide to leave, uh, yes, uh, you, you would have invested in them and they're going off, but the expectation is what, whoever replaces them um, needs to have the same, the same skill set. So I think we need to think about the differential in replacement cost versus investment in, in a resource that we already have in hand. I can't agree more. I actually did a very similar article recently uh, where, where it essentially talked about, hey, if you if you want to hire people from outside, go ahead, do it, but it will come at a higher cost. But if you train your internal people, they stay, they stay happy and they're already trained on whatever you do. So the investment as a company that you do on an existing employee is any day less and it will give you a better productivity at the end of the day. And not just a productivity, but the opportunity for additional um, resourcing. What I mean by that is if you give someone ownership of, of, of learning a new skill set, they come back to you with, guess what I learned, or I had a great idea, or I met a peer at another organization who's doing X, Y, or Z, and I think that would be great at our organization, and you allow them to take ownership. Um, chances are you'll lose them, but you'll lose them within your organization as they go off to do things that add value to the overall entity, not just for the finance and accounting department. Um, so that's a risk, but what you're doing is you're increasing the value of your overall organization and you send a signal to others, not just in the finance and accounting department, but across other departments, that the organization is willing to do new, better, faster, more efficient, more effective. They're willing to give credit to the individuals. They're willing to give leadership opportunities. And so the organization as a whole gets better. Um, and so I would rather lose a team member to another department or create a new team and lose that resource inside my company um, with the expectation that we're all going to win. I think there's a saying that says a rising tide lifts all boats. And I want that tide to stay within my organization. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the other thing is they're going to come back and say, I learned something new. I think we can do something better. Um, and they're going to come with those ideas to your table. They're not going to go to somebody else to give them that idea. You know, before we wrap up this session, I have one last question and I'll, uh, you know, go back to the accounts receivable example that we were talking about, you know, given that I'm from high radius, that's one area that is the most easiest for me to talk about. So that's the example that I'm going to take. Um, yeah. So when we talk about accounts receivables, um, you know, you know, we've seen on the client calls that we get on the prospects and existing customers both that um, that still, and especially this is more for prospects that we still have to convince that, hey, 
ai enabled future is what is going to make you or is going to help you make a difference why or how can ar teams and the cfos directors vps that are leading these teams uh, build in a culture that that helps you know shift focus from people and productivity management to an ai enabled software implementation for process improvement so a lot of that happens i think at, at the front end and um i i when you know in, in implementing systems at my at my organization currently or in past i think the number one thing is to really understand what are their existing pain points um i often hear people complaining oh this takes too long or i hate doing this or oh no it's a new month a new month then close or it's a new this and and i see a lot of eye rolling and i ask a lot of questions uh having started my career in management consulting i learned a technique called the five whys where you ask why why is that a pain point and why and why and you you know once you get to the fifth why you finally get to the root cause and a lot of it is well something that we started a long time ago and then we'd had to do it because of xyz reason and over time we're still doing it but it's an old process but we're still expected to you know and and i i ask well why do we keep on doing it well because you know and um and i i think a lot of the hesitancy comes from um uh, this idea of control um that's not how we do things it would never work here um we have a lot of uniqueness um that this automation could never resolve but when you get down to the very last why and the very last why do we do that um we realize we don't actually have to do some of the things that we've been doing and then all of a sudden the light bulbs go off like maybe maybe there is a better way to do it or you know if we stop doing something would anyone even notice um and so when you start asking the questions when you start going into the root cause analysis uh, when you start understanding why people are hesitant uh and and look for the root cause of this you realize there's nothing there and once they come to the realization those light bulbs go off then they become more open to the aspect of we could automate it this ai solution could add value and i would have more time to do some of the things that i would really like to do or more time to do the things that the organization is asking of me uh so i i think there's a lot of front end work that has to go into organizations that are hesitant Um so organizations like High Radius when they do their sales calls, you know, using the five whys, going to root cause, finding out at what point in history did this effective process go askew and all of a sudden become inefficient and what's driving the pain point and and really asking the people who are doing the day-to-day work, what would you do differently if you were in control for a day? Um and I think it would be very surprising to senior management to hear that truth it's painful um because it does indicate that there are issues in the culture that there are processes that um are costing the organization and i think once that comes to light it becomes much easier for companies like high radius to make the case that um the investment in in software or systems is is worthwhile um and that the payback is very quick uh, and it goes beyond just the payback on the investment um uh, to non-financial things like employee satisfaction team team cohesion uh and overall company company values absolutely thank you for sharing those advices um inana the last question for today 
is, um, you know, what are your top tips uh, for um, CFO teams to future-proof uh, themselves with skill reassessment? I think we need to let go of what's worked to date is how we should work going forward. I think really listening to the teams all the way down to the most clerical of members of the team and asking them what would be one or two changes that you would make in order to make us faster, more efficient, more effective, um, and really listening and, and giving those individuals ownership to implement those changes. Uh, I think um, making sure that our staff are not just coming into the office or starting their workday to do routinized things. I, I you know, really understanding why we're doing the work that we're doing. And then also uh, um, realizing that we need to set aside budgets for skills. Uh, make sure your CPAs are getting their continuing education credits. Uh, sending staff to conferences of the systems that we have implemented, being able to pay dues, membership dues for networking, providing a lot of the free resources that are out there uh, to the team and, 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 and giving them time to read those resources, give you feedback on what they've learned, um, you know, use that opportunity to, to find ways to do things, you know, better. Um, I even even skills that are outside of the finance and domain uh, and accounting domain such as marketing or communication skills um, effective presentation skills um, creating financial reports that actually make sense to non-financial readers uh, advanced excel skills even though we talk about a lot of the financial technology is about removing our reliance on excel at the end of the day we, we still talk fluent excel fluent powerpoint so upskilling on those critical skills um, being able to create messaging and uh, reports for non-financial managers. Uh, so it's, it's, it's critical to not just look at, at financial skills or accounting skills, but looking at broad set of skills that add value across the organization. And that's what's really going to keep our workforce happy, whether we're in a remote environment or back to office or a hybrid, um, and then letting them tell you what they need or they feel they need in order to to stay relevant and and add adding value to the organization. Thank you so much, Ilana, for sharing those tips. And I'm hoping that listeners here will be able to pick a few advices and implement for their teams and see great results. So thank you for taking time and sharing your experiences. Pleasure. Great. I look forward to connecting with you again sometime.